Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and I'm here with another incredible real estate investing goddess, Julie Phelan. Before <laughs> I get going and introduce Julie, I want to tell you all about a free webinar that I'm hosting tomorrow on how to get started in real estate investing, even as a busy professional woman. So if you have been trying to get into the game and just haven't been sure about how to get started, what steps you need to take, then this is the perfect webinar for you. You can go to our website, realestateinvestorgoddesses.com, click on the get started to sign up. Hope to see you all there tomorrow night. All right, so back to our interview, our amazing goddess, Julie Phelan. Um, I, I invited her here today because she does something that most investors or many, many investors need help with. She helps investors find money to purchase their property. I know that's one of the biggest questions I get. It's like, how can I pay for this? How much money do I need? And how do I get money if I don't qualify for conventional loans? Well, Julie helps people do that. She's a hard money loan specialist. After getting her MBA, she moved to Los Angeles for TV, but soon transferred her skills for numbers to doing mortgages. She was licensed in 2003. She worked as a loan officer for World Savings and others and presented classes to agents and buyers. In 2008, she became a full-time investor doing dozens of deals in California and out of state. And then the last five years, she specialized in hard money loans. Her business is helping others to use it to achieve their investing goals, whether for flipping or for rental. And she also teaches a monthly class for beginning investors. So she's a wealth of information. I'm so excited to have her. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much, Monique. I'm so excited to be here and be here with you. <laughs> and this is going to be perfect with your webinar tomorrow, too. It ties in. <laughs> it sure does. So, yeah, I'm thrilled to have you. Um, so. I always like to start, you know, in this in this podcast, I, I ask about different investor stories, and I always like to start at the beginning. So how did you get started in real estate investing? Um, you know, my situation or my start is not that different from so many other people, including many of the goddesses that you've interviewed. Um, besides the <laughs> fact that I had my real estate license, I was doing mortgage loans and that was when the rates were dropping and people were refinancing and there was a um, the run-up in the market also where people were buying property and flipping it two weeks later or six weeks later for 40,000 or 50,000 I mean ridiculous amounts <laughs> and I thought I understand money you know I should be able to do this <laughs> and so it's like I, I'm going to give it a try especially because you could do 100% financing Back in that day, you know, the banks were just like, take the money, take the money. We want to give you money. <laughs> Please. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This is crazy. Um, I moved here. I, I'm a written native of Chicago. And uh, then I spent a few years in Kansas, several years, actually. Then I moved out here. So I have family in Kansas City. And I thought, well, I don't know if I can afford Los Angeles right now or to start. I think I'm going to try and do it. But I always knew I could kind of do Kansas City at the same time. And so I looked at, found a friend who had good credit and he had cash in the bank, uh, but no experience whatsoever. So basically he did the loan. We bought a property. 
And I mean, I did the loan for him, but he was the borrower. And then together we mm-hmm. bought this condo in Los Angeles that I thought this is going to be great. You know, we'll be able to rent it and get some cash flow because I had also read Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? <laughs> the purple mm-hmm. book. Which yeah. was out in red before, but it was never super successful until it was purple and yellow, which I find really interesting. But yeah, that was the other thing that, besides doing the mortgages, got me really thinking and changing my mindset about real estate and turning it into using that as an asset and cash. Perfect. Life-changing book, for sure. That, yeah. Well, it, it changed me. It got me going, too. So, yeah, it's, it, you're right, mm-hmm. So many, probably, I think at least eight or nine out of 10 of the women I've interviewed, that book that got them started. So um, you're in good company. And mm-hmm. so you, you got this, so you were in the, the mortgage industry, you got this Kansas City um, property by condos. Um, how did you get into Hartford? Well, actually, no, that was in Los Angeles. That was, in, that was Los Angeles. Oh, the condo was in Los Angeles. Okay. Did you get mm-hmm. property in the city as well? Uh, I did later. Okay. But not at that same right. time. Okay. We'll talk cool. about that a little bit later, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, um, so then how did, how did you get into hard money lending? My mom passed away in 2005, which is kind of around the same time that I was doing the mortgages. And it took a couple of years, but then I got some money from an inheritance. And that definitely always helps with career, uh, you know, in getting started with real estate investing. Yeah. And I was doing wholesaling. I was uh, uh, working on doing wholesaling at any way, at any rate, you know, making offers, trying to get lots of property under contract. And I had met this gentleman who had his own real estate club and he asked me to come and speak there to his students about wholesaling and a little bit about lending. He also turned into sort of a mentor for me for my first hard money loan here in California and walked me through it. Having been in the mortgage business, I looked at that compared to the hard money loans. I'm like, my God, this is so much simpler and this is faster. And this is so much less paperwork. I want to do this. <laughs> I want to do this. You know, it just makes so much more sense. And then I can help other people do it and I can get more deals myself. So I just really like yeah. it. It's also so much simpler to figure the amount of payments you're going to do because everything is simple interest. You're not talking about any amortizing loans and building equity, generally speaking. It's for the fix and flips, you know, and it's for rental properties when you can't do something any other way. So I got to do many more loans and help lots more people. Awesome. Well, let's back up a bit because not everyone, I bet not everyone listening necessarily knows what hard money lending is. I remember when I first heard it, it sounded a bit nefarious. You know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's like (laughs) hard money, like some, you know, back alley thing. Like it's kind of, it sounded sort of scary, but um, right. Am I going to be Guido and come at your knees with the baseball bat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come with the like, brass knuckles and beat you up. It's just like, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> um, so, You're funny. You know, when I first heard about hard, hard money, I was like, Ooh, I don't know, I don't know about this, but um, we we used it to to get one of our flips. It's like, oh, this is amazing. But I, I'd love for you to describe, you know, to define it. What is hard money lending? Yeah, and I'm so glad you asked that question because, yeah, it is an intimidating thing. <laughs> it does sound pretty scary <laughs> when somebody's hearing about it for the first time. But 
simply put, hard money is like private money, and it is anything that is funds provided that are not government-backed. So it's nothing having to do with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or Ginnie Mae or VA or FHA or any of those other loans which are more regulated by the government. It's basically outside of that realm. So if you were going to be a lender, that would be a hard money loan. If it's going to be a hedge fund and it's outside of a regular bank or government thing, that's hard money. So hard money and private money are pretty much interchangeable terms. Hard money, however, is used more by companies that specialize in making those kinds of loans to investors. That makes sense? That does make sense. So what would what would be the advantage? So why would somebody want to go and get a hard money loan versus getting a loan from a bank that's backed by the government? That's a great question, too. Um, there's a ton of people, and I'm sure you have spoken with many of them in your various appearances, and their experience with loans, any kind of a home loan, is basically buying their own home. Would you say mm-hmm. that's true? Yeah. And yep. so they know about going to a bank or going to a mortgage person on a broker who then tells them, okay, well, you know, you have to get pre-approved and pre-qualified, and I want to see your tax returns and your pay stubs and your um, your W-2s for the last couple of years and maybe see the birth certificate of your son. <laughs> it almost gets crazy <laughs> with the paperwork that Love you have to do. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then it's like, okay, and then we'll get this letter for you that you can send to realtors and be prepared that if you get something uh, and an offer, you're going to have to wait. For, well, if you're an investor, yeah. you want to pull that trigger much faster. And you don't yeah. have the time really to go through all that rigmarole. And you don't really want to either because you're going to lose the deal if you do that yeah. to somebody who's using hard money. That's why people need to know about hard money and need to find a way to utilize it because we can actually close the deal as fast as seven days from the time you have it under contract to completely closing escrow if you're going to be doing that. And there's a lot of other things, too. If we needed to, we could do it in three days. And certainly on yeah. the refinance, even if you're refinancing your personal residence to pull money out in order to buy another property, that would still qualify. And we could still do that loan very fast, like seven days, and you can get the property. Kind of wow. like that golden rule, he's got the gold rules. So he who has the money to pay and get the deal done faster, meaning the real estate agents get their commission faster, <laughs> if that's involved, yeah. or the seller gets their money faster. They're the ones, that, that one who has the cash, or who has that fast loan, the fast cash, they're the ones who are going to more than likely to get that deal. Yeah. Um, that definitely makes a difference, especially in the, uh, so sorry, I was just going to say that makes such a big difference in a competitive market. And, um, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of offers to being able to close really quickly can definitely get you the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even when there were all the foreclosures going on and the banks owned the properties, you know, the banks, they wanted to get rid of everything as fast as they could, too. Yeah. You know, if you made an offer to a bank, then the person who had the hard money loan or their own money was definitely going to get it faster, too, than somebody going through an agent and a mortgage broker who wanted it for themselves. Because the banks, they, they were losing so much money all the time back when the crash happened. 
that they're like, I just want to get this off my books, off my books, and sell it, sell it, <laughs> you know. And hard yeah. money actually was a, a great industry to be in then. It's still good now. But as you said, Monique, it's um, still a very competitive market, very competitive trying to get a property under contract. So it's even more important that you have that money readily available to you and will provide a proof of funds so you can show whoever is selling it. Yeah, we've already, you know, we'll, we'll, we are saying that, you know, we will provide the funds for this deal. You have an A, B, C, and D. Very cool. So I know that with us, when we were, when we used the hard money lender, it wasn't because, I mean, the being able to get the cash back was definitely a, a benefit. But the real reason why it was useful for us is because we were W-2 employees. We didn't, we have, as self-employed individuals, we have a lot of tax write-offs. And even though we had money in the bank and um and income, it doesn't it didn't show on our tax returns. So it was hard to prove income, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was um, so that made it was hard for us to get a conventional loan. So we were able to get a hard money loan instead, and and that was a benefit for us. Is that so? How how do you guys look at borrowers? How can somebody borrow money from a hard money lender? You know, you make an excellent point with that because there are tons of people out there that don't show a whole lot of income on their taxes because they're not W-2. And it can be anybody from somebody running a beauty salon to a real estate agent, uh, anybody who's self-employed. Yeah, it's a big problem for getting a conventional loan. There's something that I like to call a semi-hard loan prime, but it's not like the subprime of years ago, which were the bad, bad, no, no, no. <laughs> you know? um, and these yeah. loans are great for individuals who don't have or don't show a ton of money. We want to know that a borrower has income, you know, and we don't need to see you prove how much income that you've got, just that you've got some kind of ability to make payments. And on the semi-hard loans, you know, basically it's stated income. I think you recognize, I'm sure, and many other listeners will remember stated income loans that was something yeah. that was used a ton, right? And actually, even before, long before the boom, for people like you and me and those who are self-employed and entrepreneurs. And the stated income loan simply means you're saying, I earn 8000 or 6000 or whatever it is per month. We don't need to verify it because we're going to take a risk, there being equity in the property and or looking at a bank statement just to see that, yeah, you have deposits that are going to make uh, it's clear that you have the ability to make the payments on the loan. Those are, you know, um, in between hard money rates and conventional Fannie rates. So they're really kind of a nice halfway point. They're great for people who are buying rental properties or even refinancing their own. Because you don't have to prove all that stuff. Now, they may take a little bit longer also. Some of them, hard money is still going to be fast, but if you're talking true hard money, like you were talking about for that first property, then generally every lender is going to look at the collateral or the piece of real estate. And we're going to do our research based on the value that we think the property has right now and the value that you can create in it and then sell it for down the road. And if we know that there's going to be a chunk in there of good, solid equity, like 30% by the time you're done, then we feel that that's a risk we're willing to take 
who will fund the project. Right. So it's so it's the collateral. What? It's the property. You know, we want to see yeah. a good property and somebody who's able to make it nicer. So what kind of properties do you help investors with? That's, and that sounds like that could be a flip, but are there other types of properties you, you help with? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're not limited to the flips. Uh, and as a matter of fact, for me personally, I, I do loans for flips. And most people, when they hear hard money, automatically think that it means flips or only flips, fix and flips. And that's not true at all. Um, the majority of the clients that I have and the loans that we do are for rental properties or properties that they already own and they want to take some money out, apartment buildings, mm-hmm. commercial buildings, duplex, triplex, fourplex, for sure, uh, small apartment buildings or large apartment buildings or uh, retail. And there's a lot of people, especially in Los Angeles, that have a, a um, you know, like a business or two businesses downstairs and they live upstairs called a mixed-use yeah. property, and there's a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's tough to get a conventional loan on that, you know, because you have to prove all kinds of different things. I won't even go into that. But we definitely make hard money loans on those, too. Um, the, in, in even construction, you know, if somebody's building something from the ground up or tearing down a house and, and building a new one, that's different than a flip. I mean, it's still going to be resold, but it's still considered construction. Uh, I can also do loans on warehouses, industrial warehouses that are downtown and office buildings, uh, and even raw land. If people are buying the land or if they are buying land to build on or, you know, taking money out of the land, if they own it free and clear. Yeah, and that's something a whole lot of other lenders around here don't do. But, no, we're not going to have you do that out in Mojave, but if it's here in Los Angeles, absolutely. I've got a couple right now in Malibu that we're working on. I guess the question then is, what don't you do? (laughs) What what (laughs) would you lend on? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. What what wouldn't you lend on? (laughs) Well, I don't lend on hotels, and I don't lend on, you know, large construction projects. Um, Pretty much the maximum loan that I would do is $10 million. And that would be okay. really unusual, you know, to have something like that. Yeah. I, can, I can send them out to other people who can do them, which is fine. But, you know, most of the people that I'm going to be working with are going to be having properties that, were, that are somewhere under $5 million. Unless I'm lucky and I get more Beverly Hills people. <laughs> <laughs> so don't do any of the, the okay. really big projects. And uh, it was kind of interesting, this meeting that I was at today, they talked about, warehouses and industrial things for marijuana uh, because a ton of people really want to get into that and they think it's going to be a fabulous and growing business and stuff. And um, right now we won't do that either. We won't do loans for that kind of a property, you know, where they're going to house a business in there. And in general, I don't do loans for businesses. It's got to be a specific piece of property. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, that's a lot. I know. Uh, <laughs> Gamut. I know it's amazing, and it's it's really to find out that there are alternative lending sources, you know, for non-conventional borrowers or non-conventional properties. Um, mm-hmm. because that's 
a lot of a lot of people fall into that category and go, I don't know what I'm safe with this. So it's nice to to know that there there are options out there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that investing is only houses because they've done they've either read Rich Dad Poor Dad or they've gone to courses or they've gone to seminars or something. And almost everybody always talks about just houses, right? Single family residences, but they, we can do condos, you know, like I said, anything from condos to five units, four units, ten units, whatever it might be. So it opens up yeah. a whole other world of properties that people can invest in using hard money. Great. Amazing. Um, so good. I could talk to you forever about this, but I, would, I, I really want to get into a little bit more about your story. Um you know, one of the questions I always want to ask is I find that we learn so much more from what goes wrong than what goes right. So <laughs> my question for you is, what was your biggest mistake in your real estate investing career, and what did you learn from it? Um, I will tell you, you know, kind of going back to that condo that I bought in Los Angeles <laughs> with the friend uh-huh. and doing uh-huh. that, um, we ended up, I thought that I could run it, rent it, manage it, and it would be okay. I thought my numbers were right. I thought that I had calculated everything correctly and came to find out that I couldn't rent it for what I thought I could rent it for. So Mm. I had to, and my friend who had gotten his down payment money back, uh, he was like, "I, I will help you do this so we can both get cash flow, but you have to run the whole thing, which I did, and I had no problem with it, but I couldn't create cash flow. And it was hard. It was a condo, so we had the homeowners association plus the taxes. Yeah. The main thing was I couldn't get the rent that I thought that I could get. So we ended up losing that property on a short sale. We had to do a short sale on it, which we didn't have the rent because I was having to personally cover the shortfall every month yeah. from the rent yeah. to what the expenses were. So that has been my biggest mistake and most painful and expensive mistake. So now so what did I you really, learn from it, I, I learned that I cannot rely only on myself. You know, I think my pride <laughs> hubris is like, I know what I'm doing. You know, I know real estate. I know how to comp things. I know how to look. Yeah. You know, it's not enough. You really do have to ask other people who are more familiar with the area, maybe experts in the area, talk to some real estate agents and don't think you can do everything yourself and talk to property managers. Yeah. Definitely. You know what you can get. Um, and also, it turned out that it wasn't necessarily hanky. I don't know if it was hanky panky, but there had been some other stuff in that building where people had worked together to inflate the value of the condo above it or across from it, so it looked like it could be a great flip. And it turned out that that was not a legit transaction. So talk to also mm. a title person and all the people you might have on your team. Talk to them and yeah. find out as much as you possibly can about the area, the property, and the history, and if it's a building, you know, then it's a building. Mm. So there were a lot of lessons in that one, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the butt and the the, the bits learning, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's a painful <laughs> lesson, but I'm sure you're not going to make those mistakes again, huh? Well, um, although I came close on once, and I'll tell you one other lesson from that is that I yeah. don't invest in Los Angeles anymore. That's when I moved my investing focus to Kansas City. Well, I should, I take mm. it back because I had Kern County because it was a, a great area 
um, in California City and Bakersfield during the crash, you know, could pick up houses for $35,000, $40,000. I got one for $16,000. That was a really good cash flowing property, right? (laughs) (laughs) Even though it's in a place nobody's heard of. But then the rest of it, it was like, no, I'm not going to risk $300,000 anymore. I'm going to go to the properties to the areas where I know I can actually cash flow and make money. Yeah. Of 100, yep. 200, 300 a month and never have a negative again because that negative cash flow is no fun. Oh, yeah, so good. Um, mm-hmm. the, I've had some more <laughs> so the flip side then is, um, you know, what are you most proud of? Um, I'll tell you what I'm most proud of is kind of surviving the industry and the crash and then, <laughs> you know, back. Yeah. And developing a decent, a good clientele and a book of business. Um, I had a real estate investment club that ran that for two years. And, you know, just talked to and met a whole lot of other people that I could help get into investing as well. And I know yeah. you're the same. You really like to help people and teach people. And that's such a rewarding thing. Yeah. And I'm proud Great. that I now have six properties, six rental properties. And each one has appreciated and cash flowed. And um, uh, it's in spite of the big fears that I had at the beginning and the guy kind of walking me through everything, uh, I had done some of this stuff on my own and made a go of it. Awesome. You should be proud. Um, so thank you. <laughs> there's, uh, there's so much else I want to ask you, but we're getting towards the end and I want to make sure we have time for your Trinity. Um, so our Trinity is a brag, a gratitude and um, desire. Uh, but mm-hmm. before we get into the Trinity, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, what's the best way for people to reach you and find out more about what you do? Um, that's great. Um, my phone number is 323 mm-hmm. 323-252-1027. 323-252-1027. Or they can reach me via email at moneygaljulie at gmail.com. Moneygaljulie at gmail. And I did want to mention one thing because you and I talked about this before just real quickly. Um, If Mm -hmm. it's true that you don't need cash or credit to get a loan. And I just want to, because that's that's one of the hugest things. I just want to mention it real briefly. It It is true that you don't need your own cash or credit, but you need somebody's. Because the days okay. of 100% financing are gone, you need to have at least 10% of the purchase price, usually 20% coming from somewhere. It doesn't have to be you. I don't care where it comes from. But you, if yeah. I'm going to put my money at risk, you have to put some money at risk too. That's the lending environment we're okay. in now. All right. So if somebody can get 10 to 20% uh, of the purchase price down, then they can access the, the money, but it doesn't have to be your own. So that's good to know. Exactly. Um, and that's California or pretty much anywhere in the country. Awesome. So good. Um, thank you so much. But let's do let's do your Trinity. What are you what are you celebrating right now? We want one brag. Okay. Um, I am celebrating the one year anniversary of the class that I started for beginning real estate investors. Um, who don't know where to start and don't know where to go. And even if they've taken an expensive course, they don't know. And it's grown and it's grown. And I'm now adding money management and financial management to that class. So I'm very excited about going into year two. 
It's Yay. been popular. Well, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And what are you grateful for? The thing I'm most grateful for, honestly, Monique, is my health. You know, without the health, you can't do anything. Health is well, so is your network. But, you know, I, I'm able to keep up with a great amount of energy going and doing and talking to people. And um, without the health, I couldn't do that. I'm absolutely most mm. grateful for that. Great. Beautiful digestion. And lastly, what's one desire you have? Um, the desire that I have right now is around real estate, and it is to get into more apartment building uh, investments. I want to buy six units to 20-unit buildings, probably out of state, because that's where it's affordable, and really start okay. building my assets in apartments. Awesome. So shall it be or so much better than you can imagine. I'm sorry, oh. so what? I said, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. Exactly. <laughs> and thank you for this. You're welcome. Thank you. This was so useful and valuable. I loved it. Again, if you guys want to connect with Julie, you can do do so money gal Julie at gmail dot com. That's all one word, money gal Julie. And or you can call her, three two three two five two ten twenty seven. You can connect with me at realestateinvestorgoddesses.com. There you can sign up for the January 11th webinar on how to get started in real estate investing, even as a busy professional woman. And you can get a free ebook, The Real Estate Success Blueprint, The Seven Crucial Steps Every Woman Must Take to Be a Successful Real Estate Investor. Thank you all, and we will see you or hear you talk to you next week with another <laughs> Real Estate Investor Goddess interview. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Monique. Bye-bye. Thank you.